0: Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week, we want to thank Eula, Heather, and both of our mothers. Thank you, Ginny and Patty, for supporting this show. We cannot do it without you. Thank you so much. I'm Katie Sewell in Seattle. My co-host Tiffany is in Rome, Italy. We are both working hard but underemployed during this pandemic. So if you love the show and have the means, please support it. There are links in the show notes to Patreon or visit... TheBittersweetLife.net and click the donation button. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we appreciate teachers in the world and and how challenging a year they've had. Oh, man. But last week, if you listened to last week's show, Tiffany made an allusion to a teacher she had once that was abusive, (laughs) (laughs) and curiosity was piqued. And so we've decided that we're going to talk about teachers today, both good and bad, the people who opened up the world for us and the people who maybe shut off a part of the world to us. So... I mean, because teachers, those of you out there, you've got a lot of power. No pressure. A bad teacher can really set you off a course that you thought you were going to be on. Mm -hmm. So should we start with good teachers? I feel... No, we should probably start with the teacher Mm. that you alluded to last week. Yeah, we don't want to end on a bad note. Go back and listen to that show if you haven't already. So set the stage for us. You're in Montreal. You're training to be an opera singer. Okay, well, the thing is... I
1: have to kind of do a little bit of backstory on that because it really doesn't explain sort of how I ended up there. So I had an amazing, amazing, amazing first voice teacher who we can talk about a little bit later when we talk about our important and wonderful teachers. But I just started out with this wonderful teacher in Seattle. And then I went to university. I went to conservatory, New England Conservatory of Music in Boston and the teacher i had was a very nice lady i liked her very much personally i literally picked her i was looking through the school catalog and there was an interview with her and there was her photograph and she was an elderly lady she looked so nice and the things she wrote in her her interview were so positive that i just for some reason you know when you set on something and you just you just can't I'm like that, and I think it's probably not a good quality that I set my mind on something, and then I like nothing will change my mind. So this is the woman you decide. Yeah, I decide this woman, and this is undergrad. Okay, I'm in Boston, and my voice teacher in Seattle says, you know, there's a really great teacher at NEC that you know I've heard about from my contacts in the opera world, and I really think you should study with her. Nope, 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 not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. Not gonna. I want to study with this particular woman. And nothing was going to change my mind. I went to that school, I studied with this teacher, and she was a, like I said, she was a wonderful person, but she was not a good teacher. Mm. She was a former opera singer. Her husband had been a very successful opera singer and a very, very successful opera teacher. And he was quite a bit older than her. She had sort of observed him teaching and decided when it came time for her to retire from the stage that she would following his footsteps, and you know, how hard can it be? I'm an opera singer, I just teach opera, but she just, she wasn't a born teacher. I didn't learn anything, (laughs) basically. (laughs) My technique did not really grow, along with my voice in undergrad. I was desperate for some guidance. I just wanted a teacher who, who really seemed to care, and who would work hard with me. So one summer, in between years, I did a music festival in Canada, not far from Montreal in the countryside I met this teacher there was this teacher there she was amazing she was so inspiring she had a fire in her that my teacher in Boston just lacked my teacher in Boston would just sort of tune out in my lessons or we would just gab there was nothing there there was nothing to work with And this teacher was so brilliant. And she was a master of the French art song. She had studied with all these incredibly important people. She just knew so much. And she was an amazing singer herself. She was also older. There was something about her, something magnetic about her. And she was also very, seemed very kind. I, I realized later she was on vacation basically. Like she was working, but it was summer. It was not her regular students. She had nothing invested in these students that she was sort of teaching at opera camp, basically. So I go back to Boston, and I can't stop thinking about this teacher. And when I finish my undergraduate degree, I decide that I'm gonna go study with her at her university. Universities in Quebec are famously inexpensive. It costs almost nothing, even as a foreigner. And I thought, this is great, you know? My undergraduate degree had been so expensive You know, I thought this is a great way. I know I'll get a good education because this teacher is amazing and I won't spend tons of money. And so I just decided and there was nothing that was going to change my mind. I did not apply to any other schools. This is it. I'm going to Montreal. It'll be great. I'll learn to speak French. So I moved there. It's hard to describe to someone who hasn't studied classical music intensely the sort of nuances of the relationship between student and teacher. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful position as the teacher. You know, you have a lot of sway over that person. It's almost like a parent-child relationship when you're little. Like, you know, there's so much. They can totally change how your life goes in those few years, at least. I mean, unless you change teachers, which is always an option. But of course, I am incredibly stubborn. There was no way I was going to change teachers because I don't quit things, Katie.
0: Yes.
1: She was great the first sort of six months to a year. I was a big bragging right for her because if you think about it from her position, I mean, she was teaching in this, you know, not very well-known opera faculty, you know, at, a, at an important university, but it wasn't a university that was particularly important for music. She was the head voice teacher, and I had, was coming from one of the most prestigious conservatories in the world it was a big win for her you know she could be like oh you know look I brought this American from this important school and I was you know without shooting my own own horn I was very talented I mean I should say I am although I'm not in practice anymore so my voice is kind of not in a good shape but I was talented
0: what is the first indication you get that this woman is not as terrific as she seems to be
1: I don't know that there was one moment it came on so slowly little digs here and there. The first year was great. I got a big part in the opera. I think I did pretty well in the opera. But she, of course, came backstage and was lecturing me during intermission. And somebody took a photo of it (laughs) and gave it to me. And I was like, oh, my God, telling me this, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You're doing this intermission in the middle of the opera. You know, Mm -hmm. That might have been one of the first indications. And I sort of looked at the way that she was so down on me and so hard on me. At first, I loved it. That's what I wanted. That's the problem. Was, That's was what I was looking for. That's what I liked in her was that she was... But she slowly turned into someone who was just really passionate and really dedicated to her students, to like uh, kind of like a slave driver, excuse the term. Mm-hmm. It was a double-edged sword because on the one hand, I mean, she only had to teach me one hour per week. We had one hour lesson a week. That's what she was paid to do. But she went over and above that. She had me coming in more often, which to any music student is amazing. It's like you're getting twice the lesson for free, and those lessons are not cheap.
0: So far, she sounds pretty great. Tell me, tell me, how does she end up being damaging? If I had
1: to make pronouncement of what went wrong, I would say that my voice was growing from a, you know, very young, small voice. Women don't come into their voices usually until they're in their... Some don't even come fully into their voices until their 30s. But, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you still have a very immature instrument. Usually there are exceptions. I certainly did. And as I started getting older, my voice starts to grow, but I did not have the technique to keep up with it. I had kind of skated along through undergrad with talent alone and with very little technique. Unwittingly, I was doing damage to my voice. If you have tension in your body, especially around your your actual throat, your physical voice, it causes problems and you will start to come up with workarounds. Your body will naturally come up with ways to force it. So I was putting all of this tension into my voice to try to make up for the fact that I didn't have the technique to support my voice. And it was causing all sorts of problems. And what I didn't realize, I had already had nodules on my vocal cords in my third year of undergrad, and I had worked through that. Nodules are like little tiny, tiny blisters on your vocal cords, but they cause major problems if you're a singer. And I had worked through that and I had healed, but I must've fallen back into the same habits and I wasn't aware of it. And so my voice in my second year at grad school started to have major problems. And I started to, my voice started to crack. Something never happened to me before. I never had a break in my register. I always could sing straight through, and it was the same voice. I was starting to get this upper and lower register with this break in the middle where if I didn't push my voice out, which is not what you wanna do, I was experiencing this break or this crack in my voice. And I was terrified of her. I was terrified of every time I, I did something that didn't sound right, she would look at me with this horrified look and say things like, Tiffany, you know this is a master's degree, right? You know you're a master's degree student, right? Because you don't sound like it. Her cruelty was very subtle. Probably like one of those relationships where, you know, you have a parent who's verbally abusive, but you know everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. I just realized too late. And it was, yeah, it was bad. It just kept getting worse and worse. And she was very harsh and overcritical on me and... I was terrified, I was scared. I realized in the middle of lesson, I would sometimes almost cry in a lesson. I think maybe it happened once. I'm kind of a tough cookie, as you know, when it comes to crying, I don't cry very easily. But I I had a friend who was studying with her, who, I, who came in the second year I was there, and I learned from her that she cried in almost every lesson. I said, you cry in, in every lesson? She's like, oh yeah, she makes me cry at least once a lesson. I was like, man, so it's not just me, you know? What would she do if you cried? I, You know, so many of these memories I've blocked out. I mean, I usually could hold myself together. I might let a tear fall or something, but it was just so the exact opposite of what you want, like somebody who doesn't believe in you. She had become very disillusioned with me because here I had come into the school. I was supposed to be her bread and butter. In the music world, you have some teachers who are truly devoted to the craft of teaching. They get joy in helping Students mature and grow and learn, and that's really how my first teacher was. She wanted me to be the best singer I could be she didn't care about what that made her look like. Then there are teachers who they are cultivating a studio of students who are going to reflect glory back on them because their glory days are in the past they're no longer performing so they're the glory that they want and that they can seek the only glory that they can get is through their students so they want all the best students and then they can say oh i have a child i have a student who is you know singing here i have a student who is singing there and my student is here and my student is there and obviously then that their stock rises Mm -hmm. and she was very much like that she loved me so much when i started you know it's like the little princess i always thought about i don't know if you've ever read the little princess or seen the movie but she and she starts in that school Oh, she is the favorite of the teacher of the headmistress. She is absolutely the favorite because she comes from this rich family and she has so much money. And then when her father loses his fortune, that is it. It is over. She is hated. And I felt like that. I had to do an extra semester because I wasn't ready. A second year, my my I should have had my degree in two years, but I was getting closer and closer to the end of the second year where I was supposed to do my recital and. I wasn't ready. My voice was in shambles. My voice was totally wrecked. And she said, you're going to have to come back for another semester, which I did. And yeah, I was miserable. It was miserable. And I I don't even know if I want to tell you what ended up happening. (laughs) Not you, but tell everyone, tell the world what happened. But (laughs) I will, I guess, for sharing things. In music, you have to do a final recital to get your degree instead of doing a thesis. It's very challenging. You have to sing for about an hour and a half. You have to sing in four, minimum four different languages. You have to sing in different time periods. It's a lot of work. And I knew the music backwards and forwards, but I was so stressed about it. I was so terrified that it wasn't going to go well that I practiced. I was singing all day long, constantly, constantly. You can't sing all day long as a singer. You can, it's not like a pianist. You can play all day. You can't. You have to conserve your voice because it will get physically swollen and it won't work anymore properly. And I was practicing practicing the practicing was going so well and t- but I, I must have hit some tipping point because when the night of the recital arrived it was a combination of just the f- the rawness of my physical instrument and the you know the nerves of the situation. I sang it, I did it, I but it was just terrible. It was awful. My voice was totally cracking and breaking and And it was awful. I was so thankful that hardly anybody was there. I only invited like my closest friends. Whereas my senior recital in grad school, my mom came from the States, my stepsister came, all my friends were there. We had a reception after, it was wonderful. This was awful. And I remember my teacher came to me during the intermission and she came back into the green room and she said, Tiffany, you don't have to go on. You don't have to keep going. If you're unwell. That was one one of the rare moments that she was actually kind. She said, you're unwell. I can hear it you 're not well your your, your voice is t- is injured in this moment, and I was like i 'm going on i 'm sorry i don't quit like i can't it 's just not in my DNA and I finished the recital, but I failed. I failed there were there was a jury, and so I had to come back. I had already left i'd already given up my apartment, you know it was the end of the semester i was moving back to boston and So I went back to Boston, and I found a teacher there who taught at my old school, who was wonderful. I studied with her for three months. I spent about a month just, like, not singing at all. And then I started studying with her, and I worked with her, and I got back in shape, and I I flew to Montreal for a weekend. I did the recital. I did not see my teacher. I was like, I don't want to see her. She's like, do you want to come over and have a lesson? I was like, no, thank you. Uh, I did my recital.
0: I passed, and I went back home. So curious... Did this experience with this teacher have a lasting, damaging effect, would you say? Would you say that because of her, you're not a singer now?
1: I would say in part, yes. And I, and I hate to blame other people because you can't really blame anyone else, you know, for your life choices. I think everyone has it in them to, you know, make their own decisions, follow the path that they're meant to be on. So I don't blame her entirely or even mostly, although I did want to at the time. But I think that if I had made better decisions, if I had said, you know, this teacher isn't right for me, she's too hard on me, she's not encouraging enough, I just can't bloom, I can't grow with her. If I had made that decision, been a little less stubborn, and gone with someone else, or just not gone to that school at all, just gone somewhere else, um, and had a teacher who was a great technician, but not so cruel and so heartless, I might have had a better chance. I always had the vocal hang-ups, though. You know, I always, I, even when I was an undergrad, I said I got these nodules. So I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to say. You don't know where your life is going to go. I do know I was very talented. Not the most talented in the school, by any means. But, you know, I was, I was pretty good. So I don't know. I don't know. All I know is this is where life has brought me. And I'm, I am very happy with where I am now and what I'm doing now. One of my friends at that same university who studied with that same teacher, but who came in as a first year undergrad when it was my second year as a grad student, she immediately realized that the woman was psycho crazy. She called her Corella Deville because she kind of had the Corella Deville hair hairdo. She left. She was like, I'm not studying with her anymore. And she found a really good teacher who was not, you know, one of the most important teachers at the school. She was younger. And I don't necessarily think it's all down to the teacher in this case, because she was just so incredibly talented. But she is having an amazing career, amazing career. And, you know, I think about her, and, you know, we were friends. We still are friends. We don't see each other very often. But I think, oh, man, that would have been an amazing life. I miss performing. I don't miss the nerves of it, though. The nerves associated with performing. I loved performing, but I hated the nerve aspect of it. I hated the the performance anxiety. And the sense that everything is resting on this moment. There are certain careers that like, you have to perform and you have to to have it come off in that moment. And that is the moment that matters. And there are other careers where you don't have to be flawless and brilliant in the moment. Like being a writer, you know, you sit there and you can mull over that thing for years and work at it and work at it and work at it to get it right. You never have to stand up and prove to the world that it's good enough to be published, that's not your job. As a singer, you know, yes, you have the years and years of practice too, but if you get up on that stage and it's not flawless, you're in trouble. People notice. Yeah, people yeah. are going to notice. So I don't miss that. I I like not having that pressure anymore. But I love opera and I miss it and I'm trying to listen to it more
0: and I'm listening to it with Aurelio and he actually loves it. Mm. So... So it runs in the blood in some way. Yeah. Has it made you less of a stubborn person, this experience? No. <laughs> I'm so stubborn, <laughs> so you Katie. learn nothing from it. I learn nothing. <laughs> I learn nothing. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, but this conversation with you has made me learn that I learned nothing, and maybe <laughs> I will try to learn something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not necessarily a great outcome. You know, maybe I wasn't. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fatalist. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I think things work out the way that they're meant to work out generally. And, you know, if I had kept on that career path, I certainly wouldn't have ended up in Rome, I might have ended up in Europe somewhere, but not in Rome, I wouldn't have met, met Claudio, I wouldn't have had Aurelio, mm-hmm. I might never become an author, I might have struggled, I might have really, really struggled for
0: years and years and years and never really made it big. Well, and maybe you can now identify people who are like her better. Yeah. Hypothetically, if someone else were to come into your life and just be this subtle negative influence that keeps pulling you down, maybe you'd be able to identify that person faster.
1: Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. I will will think on that. (laughs) But I think this is going to be a long episode, so... We could
0: always do a part one and a part two. This could just be about the bad and then... We could do a follow up episode about the good.
1: Bad teachers, good
0: teachers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because I don't think I've had very many bad ones. There's only one that I could point to that might have shifted my path in life significantly. Do tell. It wasn't like I went as far down a road as you did. You know, I wasn't training to be anything (laughs) at this point. I was just a high school student that had a lot, a very big interest in marine biology. I really wanted to somehow study creatures of the ocean and be of some help there, be around them. And I had one teacher who admittedly didn't like me for multiple reasons, which I'm not sure I want to go into because they're um, strange and gossipy. But... Oh, come on. I opened up. I opened up. Okay. (laughs) I mean, all of this, I can't really fit together in my head because so much of it happened outside of my realm that i don't really quite know if it's true that's what i mean it's it's rumors mm-hmm. so she was a younger teacher very cute all the high school guys were like "Ooh, yeah i'm in, in mrs so-and-so's class and there's some rumor and i'm gonna be vague about this that at some sort of like trip or retreat or sporting event or something some of these boys saw her kissing somebody not a high school student, just like an, another adult saw her making out with someone. But she was married. No, I think she was single. I mean, it was perfectly in the realms of what she should be doing, probably. Oh, okay, because you said "misses," that's why I thought. Oh she yeah, was married. I, I, I mean, miss. Maybe she was married. I don't know. See, this is why it's it's almost too vague to talk about. But anyway, they see this happen, and being high school boys, they start spreading it around this quote-unquote like trampy behavior or whatever. Oh, jeez, because kissing someone is trampy. Some of the boys that were involved in that were friends of mine. Mm. So I was associated. She knew that I, I knew them. Mm. So she kind of just, I don't know, all along just felt like she had some sort of vendetta against me. I was also kind of an angry person at that point, so it's possible. I, I definitely know that I push her buttons at certain times. There was one time when... This was after she'd started a feud with me. She was already being ridiculously mean to me for no reason. And I kept thinking, like, why am I getting the fallout for whatever is going on with you and these guys? But she was already being very mean to me. And so, you know, in high school, you have no power whatsoever. <laughs> and and I was in her class, and I had was drinking a soda, and she was starting to teach the class, and then she stopped, and she looked over at me, and she said you know that you can't have it. soda in here and rather than just get up and throw it away i stood up drank the whole thing and then threw it away (laughs) so it was a typical movie hollywood movie power move (laughs) (laughs) but that's the only thing i can remember doing in retaliation for how mean she was to me all the time but i still wanted to be a marine biologist was she the science teacher she was my biology teacher okay and so one time i asked her do you think that there would be a job for me, in marine biology or marine studies, if I'm not very good at math. And she looked at me and she said, Nope, I think you need to pick something else. Mm. And for whatever reason, I completely took her at her word. that that was a door that was closed to me.
1: Ugh. there you go. I wonder if you even need to be good at math to do science.
0: Well, I mean, you do have to do some calculations and stuff, but I'm sure there are other positions. There are other things that you could be doing in the field that don't require you crunching the numbers, I would imagine. Yeah. But again, you know, she didn't like me. Hmm. I'll never really know why she doesn't like me. You know, I think she thought like I had heard from somebody that she thought that I had started the rumors about her. Like you're stubborn, I'm one of those people that kind of just assumes nobody's thinking about me if I'm not actively in their face (laughs) hanging out with them. So I remember just being late to the party there and being like, what does she think happened? (laughs) About what, what was the rumor? But still, not exactly the most adult behavior.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of the times, girls can get blamed for things. If a girl and a guy do something, the girl is going to get more blame than the boy in like a high school or any any scholastic situation. Yeah, for
0: sure. There's something
1: about boys. They get away with more and girls end up being the scapegoat so often. And the worst is when it, it's a woman who is perpetuating this. But it happens, I think, surprisingly a lot that it's a woman perpetuating this sort of anti-girl attitude and I've seen it and heard about it from other female friends. It's really maddening. That's awful.
0: She's the only female teacher I can remember that was like that at all with me.
1: Do you think you would have pursued marine biology if it hadn't been for her? Who
0: knows? (laughs) I mean... Well, yeah, it's the same
1: question. So who knows? You can't know. But if you'd had a wonderful teacher who had really inspired you and believed in you...
0: Yeah, who made me feel like I had some capability. yeah. Yeah, possibly. It's possible. Instead of one that was like, I want to make you pay. No, that's really not how she was. <laughs> oh, I like to think that she wasn't really trying to tear me down that much. <laughs> but she might have been. Certainly seemed like it. Both of those teachers are this example of sort of subtle abuse. I had one teacher, and, and this never affected me at all. But I did have one teacher when I was in fifth grade who... I can't remember his trajectory, but he was actually abusive. Like, he would grab a kid out of the chair and hold him by their neck against the wall. He was very physical, particularly with young boys. He also had a very inappropriate flirtation with one of the fourth graders in the school. Oh, my God. It's horrifying. Eventually, he gets moved. He gets fired, but he gets moved to be a, a physical education teacher.
1: Oh, because that's better. Because
0: he's so physical. Um, (laughs) He's so physically violent. I mean, put a ball in his hand and it will seem appropriate. Uh, And he did hold that job for quite a while, although that was at a different school. So it was like I never saw him again. But I do believe in the end he got fired for being overly aggressive and violent in that job as well. Was that Mercer Island? I'm curious. It was Mercer Island. Yes. Island Park Elementary. Somebody put the things together. You'll figure out who it is. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who remember it. I mean, it was shocking to have a teacher like haul a kid out of their desk and hold them up against the wall with their feet dangling.
1: Yeah, you know, Monique had a first grade teacher. My sister Monique had a first grade teacher who was physically abusive. I can't remember the story because I was too young at the time. I didn't I didn't know what was going on, but she told me years later. And now the story is fuzzy. But I want to say she was beating kids with a stick. You know, like the paddle. Like, okay, you're in trouble. But beating them with a stick, really. And she, and it was my sister and a couple of other kids talking to the principal, who ended up getting her fired.
0: I remember thinking when I was a kid that you got hit with a ruler if you went to the principal's office. Oh, I don't geez. know if that was true or not. I never did. You never went to the principal's office in your entire school career. Well, not as a ki- not as an elementary school kid. Well, yeah. Not the principal that was rumored to hit you with a ruler if you went to <laughs> oh, went to his office. <laughs> I only went to the principal's office once for chewing gum. I think we've told that story on this show. I can't remember. Well, this has been an uplifting episode. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel like we should. The teachers just... are like, you're piling on. I've had the worst year in the world. Come on. I know. I, I think I really do believe that this is the,
1: uh, the minority oh, of teachers, the exceptions. I think most teachers are amazing um, or at least just, you know, decently good i don't know they're all amazing but i would say decently good
0: yeah there's a range decently good amazing just okay yeah should have retired and then abusive (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: yeah
0: so yeah okay so so next week we'll talk about the good teachers which gives you guys time if you have somebody a bad or a good story that you want to send in, feel free, yes. send us your good teachers. We need to overload next time. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Sorry, <laughs> teachers. <laughs> but you can always get in touch with us. Send us a voice memo. How do they do that,
1: Tiffany? They can just open up their voice recording app on their phone, tape something, save it. And then there should be an option of, to email it and just email it to at com. It's as easy as that. you want to email uh you can also i mean obviously write a text email if you don't want to tape but we'd love to hear your voices
0: yes feel free to also write and one other quick announcement is that tiffany and i have revamped our patreon prizes yes we have we'll talk about this a little bit more in future shows but we are now offering monthly bonus episodes Mm -hmm. and we taped one this week that was so much fun it's a commentary episode so we listen back to an old episode of the show one that's so far in the past that we don't remember what we're talking about in it we listen back to it and then kind of break down who those people were back then and where (laughs) we are today it was super funny and we did actually end up talking about some things that we actually kind of purposefully don't talk about in this show personal things personal things (laughs) So if you're interested in having some bonus episodes, we're going to put some videos up there eventually. Yeah, we've got a lot of goodies. We're putting up compilation episodes where it's going to compile episodes. That, like if you're very interested in Rome, we're going to do compilation episodes. So where there's like Rome tips all put together, uh, Rome tours all put together. So you can listen all in one place. Those are going to be on there too. And then at the higher level, at the $20 a month level, we'll be doing... Q and a episodes mm-hmm. where you can ask us anything that you want and we will answer them honestly.
1: Yeah. And also uh, virtual meetups occasionally. Yes. So we'll do, we haven't figured out exactly how we're going to do that yet, but we will we'll do be doing some kind of zoom or similar at the
0: $20 a month level. Yeah. So check it out. Just go to Patreon P A T R E O N look for the bittersweet life podcast. You can read through all the different levels See some of the bonus content, which is also already there. And yeah, and support the show in the process. Keep us going and alive. And there's links in the show notes, of course. And until next time, when we are way more positive teachers, hang in there with us. (laughs) This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory. With help from our muse, Caravaggio. Lori Lee Elliott manages The Bittersweet Life on YouTube. We have a brand new newsletter. If you want to hear what we're reading and thinking about once a month, let us know by sending an email to mail.com and we'll put you on the list. And some of you write us the most beautiful emails. If you haven't already, leave us a review as well on your podcast app. Your support is vital to the show, so whether you send in a financial contribution at thebittersweetlife.net or spread the word about the show to your friends or through your social media by writing an article or doing an interview with us, we appreciate your support. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for keeping this show going. Take care. Be safe. Talk soon.